Welcome to the Do It All Dad Year podcast. Dad-friendly entertainment for you and me. Uh, this episode is called Dead in the Head. Holla! Who am I talking about? The Adderall Demon stuck in my head. Advertising his... Angel writing services again. (laughs) Understand, I've gotten past the point of being obsessed on, oh, well, I need Adderall to be funny, or I need Adderall to get into a zone. But I think the main reason why I have had this Adderall demon stuck in my head or as David Johansson from the New York Dolls would call it, I got a rock and roll nurse in my head! Holla! That song is called Pills. Actually, a Bo Diddley cover. Thank you very much. I think that similar to weed in my life, that it has kept my soul and heart and brain occupied at once while getting lost in work while helping neutralize feelings of isolation and estrangement from old friends, uh, my family. Uh, I found out today that my mother, that she, I don't think she's done this before, but she told me that she has officially blocked uh, my younger brother from calling her and texting her. So my wife went out to see the Barbie movie with uh, an old friend uh, from college and my children, and I had a playful conversation about it, which evolved into how long will my mom be able to hold out on her idealized, you know, masturbate companion (laughs) when my dad's dumpy negative energy uh, turns her dry again. Lord, I'm doing my best to improvise and have some fun here. So, like Guy Ferrari says, when you're skiing on the slopes or when you're cooking, if you're not taking chances, if you're not Biting the big one, if you're not doing any face plants, not doing at least 10 face plants, then you're not cooking hard enough, or you're not challenging your ego enough, or you're not trusting your God-given powers of shtick generating dissemination, enough credit. <laughs> right now, I hear my younger son bellowing in my head, low energy, daddy, we need more energy. <laughs> I... Actually, like the angry daddy versus the contemplative, directionless, do-dick daddy. (laughs) How many jokes did you write today, daddy? But I wrote a cover letter today that I sent out to an editor that I learned about on the publisher's marketplace, which is cool because, I mean, you got to pay for it, but it gives you email addresses for any lit agent or... Uh, book editor under the sun and i've lost face i've lost complete faith in literary agents (laughs) 
wanting to give a shit in promoting what I believe are three worldwide seller sensations. Those books being The Cogitarian Comedians, Holla, Waste of Height, really short stories, Holla, and United We Laugh, Holla, which has a word count of 150,000 plus words. And a new thing that's bothering me is book editors, not book editors, book reviewers. Especially those that say like, yeah, I read all genres, but like they don't address your name. But I'm paying you to read my book. So uh, my daughter this morning, she says, Daddy, I got a new song that I think you'll love. And it's by this band called Sex After Cigarettes. And the song is called Apocalypse. <laughs> and me being the moron Jewish son that I am, I felt compelled to correct her. And I say, oh, well, what you actually mean is cigarettes after sex. But calling a song sex after cigarettes makes me think to myself how much fucking is this band doing uh, without a mask on so I am not happy with how this podcast is progressing tonight I haven't been reading the news for three days I hate the idea of thinking that the news has supplemented my lack of a social life so but I think that's a good, uncomfortable space to be in. And what what am I going to learn? That's nothing new. Joe Biden, you know, sniffing some girl, noshing on some, you know, little sister. I don't know. Trump being caught uh, handshaking. Uh, I don't know. Jack White's younger brother, <laughs> the secret MAGA supporter. <laughs> So this is an impersonation of uh, Guy Ferrari and Anthony Bourdain in Flavortown Heaven. Anthony Bourdain says, so even heaven is named after your dumb fuck expressions? (laughs) I still think your Times Square restaurant is hacky hell. And you're not dead yet. So why are you here? I was killed. Uh, you're not considered anti-establishment enough for that to happen. <laughs> Neither is Trump. He pushes his freaking glorious clot shot because he's the godfather. He sucks. He never locked up Hillary. At least I said when I was alive, I've been the receiving end of Hillary's operatives and it wasn't very much fun. Look <laughs> at Ferrari. It's just like I'm Anthony Bourdain. I mean, you know, do I care that I went to a fancy French culinary school and you didn't know? I just don't like the fact that you're embraced so wholeheartedly when I just think you're middle of the road, you know, blah. I mean, you know, you're cheery and, you know, you exude a, an all good Sammy Hagar vibe. And like, I appreciate that, but, you know, you're just not one of my 
admired artistic heroes. <laughs> and if you make a career off of film and being in front of the camera, do you have to be an artistic hero? No. Do you have to be Frank Zappa? No. It was everything Frank Zappa did, every air fart that he fucking recorded, the most amazing thing of all time? No, but he did make me laugh more. <laughs> and, you know, in the end, I'm a New Yorker, and you're from Vegas, you're a heck from Vegas, so it's my job, it's my God-given duty to bust your balls and to feel morally exalted to you in every sphere of life. <laughs> because that's how New Yorkers roll, guy. I mean, today I was going to send Guy Ferrari, sample chaps, because you're comedians, and, you know, trying to get his information and these production companies and they're affiliated with them. And then I hate the fact that they're like, okay, great, well, it's just, they're going to be like, okay, no one's listening to material and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, if I really care about these books, then, you know, I'll do whatever I got to do, get a nice paying job, and I'll self-publish. And I'll have to hound some freaking book reviewer that will uh, address me by my name. <laughs> Michael Corbin. It's not very hard. <laughs> not asking you to give me lockjaw love. Just say Michael in a freaking LinkedIn correspondence. <laughs> Don't think that's a big ask. Uh, just a little personalized pep. But, you know, personalized pep goes a long way. I mean, I just, I, I went to this barbecue place in honor of Jesus Freak Friday and saw in this Italian beef sandwich. I really wanted to get it. And so I was excited. And then like this Filipino girl works there. It doesn't matter if she's Filipino, but she just had this like voice. It's like, yeah, we, we got this location in Cortland Manor. And she has these questions. And I was acting as if, you know, uh, you know, she's on this, artistic, rarefied Bourdain plane. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a barbecue place in Mount Kisco. Can we get over ourselves, please? <laughs> so I'm beginning to realize that my wife is correcting the assumption that I do hate most people. <laughs> Hate's a strong word. I get annoyed easily. I don't like the fucking look on most people's mugs. It just, uh, either like they're judgy or they just, they're like, yeah. And there's not very inspired, and I miss being surrounded by really good-looking women in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, I'm part Fagala. I don't miss being being surrounded by like pretty boy faces in Boys Town. Everyone's wearing the fucking like tank tops, <laughs> but uh, that's not a really gay commenting on matching tank tops. But I do like the idea of teaching. And being in front of children and being in front of an audience. Because uh, I do like most kids. When I think about the sleepaway camp, I enjoy hanging out with kids. It's not because, oh, kids can, can't challenge me. Kids can totally challenge you. I mean, I think kids are a great challenge. I mean, especially if you're a comedian entertainer. Because, uh, you know, if you can make a kid laugh, you can make an adult laugh. I mean, that's my opinion. I remember an old friend of my Ari, used to say, well, you know, your material's too smart for kids and, you know, all this stuff. But, yeah, I really want to make this show crack me up work where, you know, it's a show that I do with my son. Harker Hunger Rocks, All Metal Baby, Chosen Curls is Bound to Woo. And each Sunday, we're going to make a new egg dish. Finally, I'll learn how to make fucking poached eggs. And our goal is to crack each other up. And I want to do some riffing that's obviously way more inspired than this. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to prepare some smidgen of material but 
I firmly believe that if I could get material that I know can make a kid laugh, it's going to be transferable material that can make adults laugh. Because I'm not going to be overly reliant on like adult references, they're not going to fucking understand. And it'll also force me to do some more physical comedy and be more silly and loose loosey. And then my old friend Jones would definitely appreciate that. And I think there'd be a reason to uh, share that with them. I remember my old friend Jones, we were in Brooklyn. Despite Tony Soprano bemoaning back wine as being the lowest form of conversation imaginable, <laughs> but we're also not complete psychotic, narcissistic freaks! So, that bust Paulie's balls, accused him of having Tourette's for his <laughs> Speaking dick when he gets nervous. Never him being overly chatty. So, he provides more very commentary than Christopher Molasante bitching about not getting a pin enough money. So, and so I'm walking with Joe, we're in Brooklyn. So a few friends that visit me in Park, so uh, frequently. And love you, bud. Uh, I don't. I mean, how many podcasts have I done? I haven't given you one shout out. Fucking awful friends. So anyway, so uh, this is another reason why Adderall sucks. So because I mean, literally, I've been addicted to speed for twelve years now. So and. That time has gone by in a flash. And my daughter has breast buds now, and now she's seen the Barbie film. And I remember just yesterday her saying, Lights of Daddy. So, so Barbie, you know, actually the entire like inspiration by Barbie, she, she's based on this like German prostitute doll. <laughs> that like David Hasselhoff tried to like fuck once <laughs> after one too many. <laughs> so Michael Jones. And, you know, George read a lot of my scripts. Um, he read my Kirby Enthusiasms and my American Dads. And I wrote a screenplay, only one. I can't wait to do another one because <laughs> my lofty goal then was to write the funniest screenplay of all time, the funniest porn screenplay of all time called Juno Does Williamsburg. And then it evolved to a story about a girl that moves to Williamsburg to regain her uh, lost youth, but then, you know, gets come blasted by every, you know, hipster hacker under the sun. And and then she realizes that, you know, she has this empty ache inside that's she's trying to fill. And I never thought it would be about abortion regret. You know, but like that's what the story developed into. And I remember I banged out the script in like less than 30 days. It wasn't long. It, it just flowed. Now, I understand I was doing like extra work back then. I was able to like outline all the characters, but it didn't take long. So my friends all read it back then when I saw them read my scripts. And, uh, you know, I, so Jones, I mean, so we're talking and we're walking and he says, you've never written a bad script. So, you know, I don't know why I've had this fear in this podcast to just say, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, see where, where my imagination goes. I'm going to see what's on my mind and not be overly obsessed with sounding my tone all the time. Like, oh, it's okay if I'm not always super passionate. It's okay. If they sound a tad defeated or sad or melancholy. I mean, shit, Mark Marin starts a very podcast sending ho hum freaking boorish. <laughs> Talk about all, all of his gifts from his old uh, new uh, uh, lactastic fans. So, and Joe Rogan's always like, you know, very measured. But except when he says, "Yo, bro, let's put up, let's show, let's show that clip." 
pull that pull up that clip, bro. <laughs> or Nick DePalazon, I'll say. So what is the dossier again? <laughs> oh the fuck. <laughs> Funniest thing Joe has ever done on his podcast. What's the dossier? That reminds me of a time when wife says, so what's the dossier? I said, a Euro trash pulp fiction novel written by a poor man's Ian Fleming. Uh that was a tale about a couple of uh, Russian hookers peeing in each other, hired by Trumpy Putets at a hotel in St. Petersburg. A uh, Reese Witherspoon pick of the month for Chelsea Handler, uh, year after year after year. <laughs> so, I was talking about Chelsea Handler and... Golden Showers and Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. So I was talking about Tone. So, and Adderall. And, yeah. So Joan says, like, everything you do is good. And I think that the reason why, I mean, you know, is talent there? Yeah. Have I killed myself? Servicing my creative art of community storytelling? Yes. 47. I just read today that Ben Best, one of the co-creators of Eastbound and Down, is fucking dead. Dead at 46. And of course, his death is, the cause of death is unknown. So, of course, I got to hear that line from my wife again. I bring it up. And he played, uh, I think his name was Clegg, the bartender on East Bound and Down. And I tell my wife, and he didn't have any kids, he wasn't married. And he said, she said, well, you know, look, young people have been dying for years. And I'm thinking, okay, well, outside of like the Holocaust, the plague, and at the height of the AIDS epidemic, you know, when else are all these, like, young people dying, exactly? Because, <laughs> again, growing up, you had Lem Bias, you did cocaine once, and he died, and uh, the list more or less ended there. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so did he have to get the clot shot because he hadn't worked in a while, and Danny McBride, who was offering apart from the Righteous Gemstones, where he gets to play a uh, formerly molested parish boy who becomes an eccentric uh, New Age Generation Y editor of a website called Better Reads Than the Old Testament.com. <laughs> so Rest in peace, Clegg. Ben Best. Most positive that's his name, Ben Best. Because Dana McBride has another writing partner that's still alive. And he's the long hair guy that writes his gemstones. But I've always been jealous. Not in a consuming way, just more of an envious thing. Of people like... Uh, like the Ben Bastet and McBride and there's this other guy, the um, I'm not gonna look it up right now, but you know, they they met in college and you know they were writing buddies. You know, Ari, my old good friend, he was my original writing buddy. Erica was my writing buddy in California. And now my kids are my writing buddies. I, I can't complain, but it's different with adults. And uh so but it's true, I read this line here with McBride with about McBride about the movie Fistful Away. You know, without that movie, like, 
he's not him. He doesn't have his career. So it really gets me excited about really creating a memorable character uh, for the Gum King of New York, for my, for my character that I'm going to play. Really creating a star vehicle for myself. And really seeing, you know, who this real person is that I'm able to recapture, you know, this year um, off of Adderall and the Ganj, which is going to be hard. The, uh, you know, I've, I've always, I've got it into the edibles. It's, when you got three kids, it's a nice release. But I've got all this material to memorize, and it's just not in my best interest. I can't make a Magic 47. I talked about, you know, make this guy Ben Best freaking died at 46. So am I going to make sure this guy, like, died for nothing? He's binding down was the best. I thought I was going to get this Warner Brothers program. I wrote this East binding down, Cooper Center bust. Remember, I never rented a car before. I drove it uh, past Warner Brothers Studios, and I was... I think I brought some weed with me, and I, I, I popped and took a one-hitter. Came, I flew from New York and flew to Burbank, and I was with my friend Jay, who's no longer in my life, which kills me. And uh, so, and I passed my Warner Brothers, and I just fell to my bones. I thought it was going to happen. And I was going out to L.A. I was living in Delaware with my in-laws. We had some money still from the wedding. I'm thinking, okay, well, I want to make sure L.A. is a commitment I want to make, because I went to for TV. It's what I wanted to do. That's why I got involved in the stand-up. I mean... So in the end, it's like the stand-up and the jokes just became its own separate pieces my way of proving to the world that, like, look at me, I'm still alive, I matter, and, you know, I belong. And, you know, obviously you have these stretches with Adderall, it's just, it's like a fucking time warp. And, you know, you apply to jobs and you don't get responses and your way of building yourself up is, you know, connecting with your was connecting with jokes and, you know, and, and writing and just, you know, getting better at creative expression. So, but, you know, Lord, I just want to like, thank you for, you know, giving me friends in my life that have encouraged me, you know, that have seen something in me. Because uh, I got that early on. You know, Jay was very encouraging in L.A. So was Cedric. So was Shakes. Shakes, I love you. Summer. Erica. I mean, you know, this is not chopped liver. JT. Call me social genius in Santa Barbara once. Now I got Mike here in North Salem. It's like, bro, this is your podcast. You're a genius. Meanwhile, I go to his house and I do Adderall and five bong hits and I'm on an edible and I don't know what the hell I was thinking. And then no, you could say that I'm guilty of uh, definitely. Uh, I was guilty of being alpha dog pressured into sucking up the last bong hit because, you know, my bud Mike had said, dude, there's still a lot of smoke there. So, I mean, if you're going to commit to being a full blown fagula, um, you got to swallow it up all the way. <laughs> None of this huh, licky, ticky, tack shit. <laughs> Not in my house. So, but it's my fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault that I'm a bitch. I can't uh, suck that a bong hit without having a mental breakdown in, in the process. So, curled up on his fucking couch. The, uh, I just, I felt, the thing was, I don't know. I think it was just a major contrast because, you know, two weeks prior, I was my year with Akunic. I wasn't doing anything. I was training for my big match, which was my performance at his house. 
the July 4th in front of my kids and I did well. And so, you know, you do well, you think, oh, okay, well, I can go back to, you know, having a beer here and there or an Adderall. And my wife's saying, well, I want to paint. So can you give me some Adderall? And so, you know, they say the devil always advertises. I'm not calling my wife the devil, but I should have said, babe, I appreciate the fact that you want to paint again, but no, I should have done that. But all of a sudden, she opened up the idea of it being okay. And then today, she goes, are you sure you're not Adderall? I go, babe, what have I, I've been pitching my new favorite catchphrase, <laughs> dead in the head, holla. My Adderall devil is dead in the head. <laughs> no more rock and roll nurse going through my head, holla. So, so Lord, I'm done with the Adderall demon in my head. I don't want to have another embarrassing account like that with Mike. I like Mike. He's a cool dude. Loves his wife. Ebulently, if that's a word, that makes sense. But she's awesome. And they got the fucking glow. Got nice kids. And I love their extended families. So, thank you, Lord, for bringing them into my life, into my family's life. So, and I'm definitely going to have Mike read my screenplay Gone King of New York, which I'm really excited about. So, I'm going to see if I can make this inspired uh, impersonation work without having a punchline done already. Uh, but it's based on a setup that Mike had told me about. Okay, so. Chaz Palmerite, career of the Bronx Tale, and Tommy Hilfiger and Tommy Matola, former head of Sony Music, uh, go to a gun range. And Chaz Palmentari says, Tommy, can you hold the gun with two hands and not just sideways with one? I thought only your customers were full-time wiggers. Oh, not bad. I give it a B plus. Thank you very much. So I wanted to also just give you some material in honor of my daughter, seen the Barbie movie today. <laughs> I'm not saying she's going to be this like full-blown woman tomorrow, but, you know, I was at the pizza shop and they went to get pizza by themselves and I went back there to get some soda. <laughs> because my wife is the devil and she uh, refuses to keep them hydrated. <laughs> and so I got some orange crush. <laughs> I don't know about you without Goonish, which hasn't worked out that way. But I do like the, I had a Pops Blue Ribbon yesterday, which is very consistent with my my hickey Danny McBride theme this year, where I stopped acting like an elitist cook <laughs> and and getting past my obsession with hops, <laughs> which completely defeats my premise in the hot in the uh, Gum King of New York, where I'm coming up with my own brand of gum called Hopperama Shoe. But I do want adult flavors in my life, <laughs> adult flavors. So really, the entire reason why you're making this screenplay is so you could uh, create an elaborate excuse to taste exotic, different 
flavors of hoppy deliciousness on other women's lips. <laughs> so, and so I'm at the pizza shop and really nice Italian woman. I don't know what her name is, but she's married to Frank. And Frank's great. He gave me a nice compliment. He goes, I would pay to see you. So I like that. I love that compliment. And uh, so and she says, the kids are so, so well behaved. And I said, well, you know, hey, I wrote an entire book on it called Controlling My Kids a Comedy, a love story. <laughs> so and I said, but hey, you know, I could kid and talk about a parenting philosophy and yada, yada, yada. But I'd be screwed without Matilda. The big beat, my Bashir. She's the best of the rest. She's my female, prettier, funnier twin with my DNA all over her face. She's my biggest fan. All my kids are, but it all starts with her. You know, we were doing commercials for Stand Up Staffer when, before she started kindergarten. We had Richard Lewis, the Red Bob Levy engaging me because of it. We got responses and it was great. So I'm hoping that my son, Samuel, Teddy Kornbluff and I can do the same uh, with these videos for Crack Me Up. That's my intention and that's what we're gonna do. Is what we're gonna do. Jimi Hendrix Blues lives. Holla! So in honor of Matilda singing Rose Kornbluff, who's all grown up and all grown up, uh, we're going to do a bit of her honor to wrap things up over here. Because the family should be home soon from the movie. And I'd like to shoot some hope and not be home like the moment they come home. <laughs> and reward myself with the past uh, blue ribbon. So, my daughter. Doesn't matter that she's 12 now. Doesn't matter that I got seven months remaining to uh, make something happen in my life. <laughs> so I could finance a trip to France. So... She could have a bar mitzvah blow party of biblical proportions there. <laughs> and uh, we'll just have to, you know, hack away for her to learn her half Torah portion <laughs> in like two months flat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll leave things at the last minute. But, but in the end, I mean, she just needs to write a great speech and study her half Torah portion. And she's got a crazy memory, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> so, but. So my daughter's 12. Doesn't matter that, you know, my daughter has breast buds now that spread out of nowhere. Doesn't matter that my you know, wife says, you know, relax, honey, bunny. Matilda's the last girl in her class to get them. You know, it doesn't matter that, you know, I'm still angry and I step back at my wife with, but then why haven't yours sprouted yet? Doesn't make a difference. So, because my daughter will never outgrow her Barbies as long as her Barbie dream house remains her safe space for cursing and dropping F-bombs. All night long, ACDC lives. You can't turn on Ken with varicose veins unless they run down his shaft, bitch. <laughs> Fuck off, Ken. Don't you have asshole bleach maintenance work to fill out the remainder of your to-do list with? He-Man is a pussy. Joan of Arc would have skull-fucked him into Castle Grayskull with Gina Carano's dick. We all know Interfaith Barbie Blue Mel Gibson to claim she sucked the hate speech out of a super soaker on Instagram first. Mermaid Barbie 
is such a tattle twat. Like Kid Rock, whatever buy her a yacht called Harpooning the Most. Nice hair bun, Barista Ken. It looks indigo girls, skinny dipping, gross. Jared Leto wants his mojo back. Hipster, hack bitch, not Zala. Is gender neutral Ken into Barbies? G.I. Joe's or asexual Hello Kitties? Staring blankly at octopus fisting porn stars. <laughs> Surgeon Barbie bypassed heart surgery because the patient wasn't vaccinated. And I thought Hillary was an unhuggable cunt. <laughs> this is the Doodle Daddier podcast. And then I'm going to read this last part. I'm not reading it because of shame. <laughs> Grow a nutsack. Stay at home. female comedian dad. Start earning again. <laughs> Remember, money equals freedom from indentured servitude. Plus, you need a new cashmere sweater without holes in it. That charge you on a banana public card that's something paid off. <laughs> you gun-shy gimpy bitch. <laughs> She's my Bichart for a reason. Bichart's like a soulmate that comes to your life for a reason. And again, Gun King in New York, or my one-man show, Lucky Moan, is about uh, my children helping me grow up already. <laughs> that's, that's the bitch. Lucky Moron is a one-man show about my kids helping me grow up already. Because uh, my year without beer only helped me clean up my act a bit. <laughs> but I want to do one more bit that I discovered. Why isn't Marv Albert lionized as a hero of the LGBT community? He had an affair with a retired Broadway transgender dancer for a solid 15 years. <laughs> Doesn't that give him a leg up on the competition? Eddie Murphy getting... Caught picking up a transgender prostitute on a lonely West Hollywood night is child's play in comparison. Oscar De La Hoya got caught wearing woman's lingerie. whoop de freaking do De La Hoya was never canceled and had his career taken away during his prime because he liked to nosh on his sexual partner's backside with extra relish on it. <laughs> and there's no way Marv Albert is capable of sexually assaulting anything. He comes up to Spike Lee's knee. If anyone is guilty of forced sodomy, it's Spike Lee's force-fed media push narrative behind critical race theory and all lives matter being the new N-word. Burning up race relations faster than any public enemy video ever could. The noise! Bring the fuck! Funk! Be an exception, because uh, there's nice racial harmony on that. Being a thrash band anthrax from Queens and Public Enemy. And the Scottian is Jewish. So, uh... Jews were welcome in the tarot on that day. Holla! For the good old days. Thank you very much. Let's go to work it out. Fear of a black planet. Holla! Still a masterpiece. Thank you very much. Imagine Marv Albert doing play-by-play -play for Drag Queen Reading Hour. Drag Queen says, who wants to be a drag queen when they grow up? And Marv Albert says, We've entered serious garbage time, folks. Dr. Seuss, she's not. Is that an Amber Alert I hear? Another reason not to encourage your kids to go way downtown. I live in Soho. I know what danger lurks behind those dumpster alleys late at night. Which isn't the most spectacular move to make with no protection on your person. <laughs> Which is why even hotels in West Virginia 
luxury roads, which is why even hotels in West Virginia have room service for a reason. Holla! Country roads lives. John Denver forevermore. Country roads! Trees older than mountains or something like that. Uh, really need to stay off the animals so I can start remembering lyrics to incorporate into my podcast. Holla! Huh. I heard that. I never heard that song before until I saw Sammy Hagar in St. Louis, an old college bud, Mike Peony. And uh, that was a beautiful moment. I mean, I will cherish that until the day I die. That was a beautiful slice of Americana. I want to tap to that. I want to project that. So I still care about America. I really do. Or else I wouldn't be still be pushing these books on editors and agents. Uh, because I believe that these books can provide. And my other new mantra today is provide to stabilize. Show up! So I have no more like mental freaking breakdowns. So I can actually enjoy weed again. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever motivation works. But uh, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Even you, Kanye, I'm in a generous mood tonight because you've inspired me to. And I understand a lot of the media is uh, corrupt, and that's an understatement of the century. And I know that, unfortunately, a lot of my uh, people, it's not all my people, I'm only half even crazy, um, I do control the, uh, the airways, but it's also the people in the deep state that really control stuff. So how many of them are Jewish? I don't know. I don't know what the exact breakdown is. But I'd like to see that study. <laughs> but um, I am... This is nice. Like, I like not being complete slaves to the headlines. Uh, so, and being able to incorporate uh, some, you know, personal, you know, touches. And, you know, why can't my podcast be therapeutic? You know, why can't I think of an old friend, Jones, and think of, you know, a meaningful impact that he's had in my life, just in positive. And, you know, I think it's a good thing where I could, you know, give some reciprocal love out there to you. So, um, I love my old friends that, you know, we saw something in me um, when my parents certainly uh, didn't encourage me down that road, even when I started experiencing some mild success doing it. Uh, so I love you, Jones. I love you, Kyle. And I love you, Jesse. And not to Carlo. I love you, too. I was admire you. You were smart, funny, career combo. And I know that I say, oh, well, you know, you have balls. Yeah. You might be this delusional person. <laughs> it's questionably funny, but you got balls. <laughs> but and it was cool seeing you in D.C. It was nice seeing you see an old friend. And I liked impressing you with my development. It was always important to me. It like, still is. Uh, so, love you, Matt. Kyle. Jesse. Clark. You were a little bit of a dick when you visited me. Oh, you got published? Like, can you be any more of a disparaging prick or a transparent jealous hack? No offense, Clark. But, I mean, Clark, you're this freaking, like, Bruce Lee martial art, like, genius. So, like, that's your art. That's your creativity. You know, writing, so you're not a great writer. Well, you're freaking dope, okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, do you suffer from panic attacks? <laughs> Granted, this panic attack is supposed to have one, like, in a long time, but... I would prefer being a martial arts badass versus having to uh, dedicate my entire career towards making a living off creativity. 
and have to suffer any of the panic attacks that I've had, <laughs> or having confused crystal meth for cocaine was. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> wish that I'm over Saturday. But, and, and Lord, I just want to thank you again for like the gift of unplanned parenthood. Uh, you know, these kids are amazing, and I'll never get tired of my interactions with them. I'll never get tired of learning from them. I'll never get tired of enjoying them. I'll never get tired of, you know, their beautiful, untainted, beautifying perspectives on everything. And I would be the most ungrateful cunt in the whole freaking universe if I were not still be hell-bent on finding a way that I can create a form of entertainment that can include all three of my children that we can actually make some fucking pretty coin on in this world. And I will leave on that beautiful, idealized high note. And I'll talk to you guys soon.